Welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. I'm Wes Avon, the director of the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life. We are back today with Elizabeth Ursick in our Out of the Park podcast series. Uh, Dr. Ursick is a professor of religious studies and the humanities at Mesa Community College. Uh, she has been a uh, longtime supporter, friend, and teacher in our Fran Park Center programs live here in Scottsdale and also online today. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome back. Uh, we have been in conversation from our last podcast about um, saintly lives, about what, uh, how we talk about exemplary lives in Christian tradition, what are some of the characteristics there, and then in particular, you raised up for us uh, three examples of uh, women saints in the broad sense, both identified by the church and recognized, if not formally identified, uh, by the broader church. You talked about Mary Magdalene in the uh, from Scripture and in the ancient times and how she has been perceived through the generations and how her story has recently been recovered in new ways. Uh, Hildegard of Bingen from the 12th century. And then you were talking a little bit more about uh, someone from the recent century from the Church of Scotland. Can <laughs> you um, pick that conversation up? Uh, and remind us about this story from the Church of Scotland. Absolutely. Wes, it is a delight to be here, always with the Fran Park Center, and um, it's a joy. It's an absolute joy every time we get together. Um, yes, it is. So, um, as, as you said, I, I was sharing in our last podcast that there are times when Jesus is the main inspiration mm -hmm. in fostering and developing of um, holiness, and that was very true for Mary Magdala. In Hildegard of Bingen's case, um, this 12th century German Catholic abbess nun, mm -hmm. um, inspired by Jesus, but also the institutional church lifted her up and gave her a platform through being running a monastery and recognizing her uh, wisdom in her visions and being recognized that way by the Pope. She had institutional church support. And in the contemporary times, I was um, speaking about Anne Hepburn. Anne a, Hepburn. A great 20th century woman. Um, she, at a young age, she was a missionary in Malawi hmm. and um, was put as the headmistress of a school, a church school. And so she also did some preaching and um, met another missionary down there. Mm -hmm. And when they married, she noticed the next year that her name was no longer on the rolls and her husband's name appeared with an asterisk that said now he was married. It's as if she said, it's like he got a promotion and I became an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> So her awakening to women's issues in society happened very early. And when they returned to the state, certainly Malawi did not have the women's movement going on. But when they came back to the states, she, uh, not the states, um, to the, to Scotland, she got to see that um, we can, um, so 
when the, um, the family came back to Scotland, mm-hmm. she ended up um, no, seeing that there was a, a large movement of women finding their voice, women asking for more leadership, women stepping into the public sphere. And um, so while she was there as a minister's wife, she became the leader of the Women's Guild, the largest women's volunteer organization in Scotland, mostly ministers' wives, has a prayer said of God, our mother, that creates quite a controversy. Mm -hmm. And after two years of study, the church had to say that there is theological support for um, God acting as mother. Um, Even in the New Testament, there is a passage um, about with the wings and the support of her brood. And um, these metaphors of God as mother um, are scriptural. Mm-hmm. And there was also a giving the communities, the different churches, um, their own decisions on if they would say these types of prayers or not. Um, it was controversial in, in the early 1980s. But by the year 2000, it wasn't controversial at all. They made a new hymnal, uh, Church Hymnary 4. There are five hymns in that hymnal with female pronouns around God, um, motherhood imagery. Um, Much of this is in the section, if you go to the hymnal, on the Holy Spirit. And... um, that's that's what Anne brought forward. But in her case, it really was society that gave her a platform to bring forward the gospel message into a contemporary age, even when there was resistance in the church. You know, that asterisk story reminds me of um, <laughs> a conversation I had when I was a college chaplain at Bates College in Lewiston, Maine, and uh, was talking with a by that point, quite elderly woman who was still active and around the college. And I was talking, asking her about her experience there. And she was the wife of a faculty member who had long since passed away. And she said, you know, um, my husband's name appears in the faculty catalog, but I did the teaching. <laughs> she said, so she wasn't even an asterisk. She just disappeared altogether. But she was actively teaching in the classroom. But because her husband had the position, only his her courses were listed under his name. Oh, which, my goodness. Isn't that something? Which led me to realize and how, how often the, the official histories of an institution don't tell the true story of the institution necessarily. There were there are often things going on in the day to day life of an institution that don't appear in the official story of the institution. Right. Well, I have uh, two stories to go along with that. Um, back when I, this book, Women, Ritual, and Power, um, there were four communities, the Church of Scotland being one, but I also was interviewing an order of Catholic nuns. And so I went to Notre Dame um, for a history of women religious conference. So this would be historians and nuns interested in their own history coming to this conference at Notre Dame, a Catholic university and come to find out that much of the official history, because the nuns in America, um, 
unlike the monasteries like Hildegard overseas, where they were cloistered and their intent was to pray for the larger populace, it was bishops in America in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that called women to come to America to open up orphanages, start schools, Mm -hmm. run hospitals. They were apostolic. That means in the world. Well, when the official stories got written about these times, it was about the bishop who called them, and they're just named as an order. Maybe their founder gets a name. Yeah. So there was a lot of work being done mm-hmm. on on the history of the actual women. So to your point, even when women, when we think today, like, why is it we don't think a woman can be X, Y, Z? Um, it's not only that maybe she didn't have an opportunity at an earlier time, but even if she was extraordinary to what we said mm-hmm. in the last podcast, that to be a saint is to go beyond what is commonly accepted, to be even better than that, even farther than that, that um, even if they were in their lifetime, you get one, two generations away and nobody knowing the actual history. And it gets characterized through the lens of what, the attitudes were about women right. or now, about an ethnic group or whatever. Yeah. Perhaps le- perhaps less so with Mary Magdala because she was her story goes back to a time in which the church was not institutionalized. But Hildegard of Bingen's story and Anne Hepburn's story come at a time when there is a significant institutional structure in the church. Which and we're talking about that now, but it leads me to the question about how these lives relate to the institutional framework in which they live and and what we learn from those lives that call the institution to its better self right and so is there in Anne, in, Hep, in Anne Hepburn's experience for example is was she acting out of a sense maybe it's a little bit of both out of a sense of anger at the institution or a sense of hope for the institution a sense of love for the community that has shaped her or a sense of alienation or all of the above? Well, I, I'm happy to say that I, I had the pleasure of knowing Anne. Um, mm-hmm. When I was there at New College um, at the university, she was still coming to events and still ambulatory with a cane. She was 90 Mm -hmm. years old, got on the bus. I mean, she just was a fire plug. Uh, uh, And there was something, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, that God, when you're called into your full self, God uses all of it. In, uh, In Anne's case, Hamish, her husband, used to say when the children would, say that mom was being a little strong he'd say she is the pepper and i am the salt (laughs) you need both Mm -hmm. so in her mind it's from the beatitudes it's righteousness for righteousness Mm -hmm. sake and being persecuted for it you know that's just part of it and i've noticed that there are people um whose demeanor is more to create harmony within the room. And then there are those that somehow have the personality and the internal fortitude to be a prophet. Yeah. And that's what I would say, that prophetic voice. And she, she definitely had it, but there definitely, we talked about this last podcast. You Mm -hmm. asked if, uh, if, 
if there's still like a flawedness in us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a, a sweet story. I, they had actually recorded everything from when she did that to a time um, in the annals in the Church of Scotland. Up on the very top floor, we were allowed to go in and see the verbatim of when she went and presented Mm -hmm. this to the church all those years ago. And I thought that she would be so honored to finally getting to the top floor and seeing that. (laughs) We got off the elevator and I'm walking in to, to let them know we're there. And Anne is gone. She had two other things she wanted to complain about that wasn't Mm -hmm. right. And she wanted to register um, that they should be doing things a little better. So uh, there definitely was a part of her personality that was like that. So it was about a fierce devotion to reform, to truth, to recognition of um, possibility more than declaring victory. I Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I don't. Um, there was too much um, her faith and her kindness and her. Um, she just was a a wonderful Scottish woman and the Scottish women have a tradition of fierceness, speaking up, making things right. And um, she was all that. And you would definitely not want to be on the other side of that. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Well, as, as we sort of finish our, our conversation from these two podcasts, I have a, I have a question for you to give some, Give some spiritual counsel to me and to our hearers about, in light of all we've been talking about, how do we unearth, discover, learn about lives worth emulating? Mm. How do we learn about them or how do we work towards becoming more like them? How about both? Okay. Well, I think the first, um, we live in an age where just because of the internet that we certainly can find writings, teachings, um, film even uh, Mm -hmm. for the 20th century of people. um, Mother Teresa has been within our lifetime, at least yours and mine. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people that have been universally recognized that way. So there definitely is ways to learn about that. Um, I would also say, going back to what we talked about in the earlier podcast of ordinary versus extraordinary Mm -hmm. um, sainthood or saint actions or discipleship, um, for the ordinary saints in our congregation, pay attention. Hmm. See who they are. Get to know who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Find out how it is that they can be the calm within the storm or the prophetic voice, because the prophetic voice needs to be heard and accepted. That's mm-hmm. a big piece of Old Testament prophets. They say things that the the larger group doesn't want to hear, but when it's truth, it's truth. So um, watch and learn. So that's one. Those were two things I would say. And then to deepen that is to bring it into prayer and to pray and ask to be used that way. Because not every minority voice is a prophetic voice. That is absolutely true. 
So that prayer and that discipline is an important part of discerning the spirits, as is sometimes said in the tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Find, find out who, who, who to listen to, who to watch, what to pay attention to. You've been that for us in these last two podcasts. Thank you so much. Um, let's do it again sometime. I would love to. Wes, it's always a delight to be with you and your community. And you too. This is the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life, the Out of the Park podcast series. Be sure to stay tuned for additional podcasts and go on to franparkcenter.org to learn more about our programs. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org.